very excited this morning. We're going to be starting with um, Colossians, and we're going to be reading through Colossians this month, four chapters, four weeks. So we're doing a a chapter a week, and um, Colossians is a great book, especially for the times that we find ourselves in today. A lot of the same issues that we're dealing with today. The Church of Colossae was dealing with back then. We're going to talk a little bit about that, and um, but uh, just just a little bit of background. Colossians was written by Paul. Paul was in jail. Paul was in jail a lot in many different jails, and uh, he seemed to spend a little bit of time over there. And uh, apart from his missionary work, I, I think God set aside time for him to go actually write letters to people, and so. And so Paul's sitting in prison, and Paul had never been to Colossae, not that we know of, but he definitely didn't start the church there, and uh, he had actually never even met the people um, in, the, in the church of Colossae. Instead, it was a co-worker um, of his who had started and who was actually visiting Paul in prison at the time, and Paul wrote this letter to the church, and, and so his friend... Oh, I keep forgetting this guy's name. It's a very complicated name. Let me just get this name for you because it's going to bug me. Epaphras. I, I keep on wanting to say, I keep on wanting to say um, Ephesians, but it's not. That's the book. Epaphras. Oh. So this is the guy. Who came, he, he's the one that actually planted the church in Colossae, and he came to visit Paul, and he's telling Paul, wow, these guys are amazing. You know, they... They, they seem to just get the basics. They, they move in faith. They've got great hope for the future. But more importantly, they seem to, to love each other. They love the community. They love the people. But Paul, they've, they've got a few problems. Okay? Yeah. On the one side, there is a lot of pressure from their culture. So the um, Colosseus was a Greek, a Greek city. And, of course, all the Greek gods and the Greek religion and the Greek mythologies were coming in. And so um, a trap that a few people in the Church of Colossae had fallen into is that they'd taken Christianity and they'd sort of made Jesus one more god amongst all the other gods, as if Jesus was uh, Zeus's uncle or nephew or something along those lines. I don't know. Story gets complicated. But basically, there's so much pressure from their families, from their community, that they took this Christianity thing. Jesus sounds like a nice guy, um, but you know, I don't, I don't know if I can give up my family. They're getting angry at me. My dad doesn't want to talk to me. My mother thinks I'm crazy. So I'm just going to take Christianity. I'm going to pick the things that I want. And I'm just going to slot it in there somewhere between Zeus and Hercules. And we'll make it fit. We'll make it work. Okay. Does this sound familiar? Okay. And then on the other side, there was the Jews in Colossae. And uh, they were very big on Jewish tradition. And so they were seeing these Greeks beginning to adopt what looked like Jewish traditions They'd heard of Jesus, but now they were coming down on uh, the people of Colossae, the church of Colossae, and they were being very hard on them about Jewish traditions, 
And this was a very big thing in the early church. This is a very difficult thing. Even Peter got trapped in this. I don't know if you know that. Paul wrote a letter called Galatians, and he sort of spelled out how Peter got trapped in this Jewish rules. And, uh, you know, Peter was insisting that the, that the early Galatians, they get circumcised and they follow the Jewish law. And, and then Peter took him to the council in Jerusalem, which James was presiding over, James, the brother of, of uh, Jesus, and basically just took Peter to town and said, Jesus came and instilled a new gospel that sets us free from the law, and here you are holding the Gentiles to the same law. And so it was the same sort of thing going on. On, on one side was the pressure, the local pressure with the local religion, and then on the other side were these, were these people that were Jewish zealots by all accounts, and they were sort of forcing the church of Colossians to adhere to the law. And, and we seem to be, in our day and age, we seem to have something very similar. We, we have, in our midst, the time of extreme lawlessness, which is permeating through the church. We take the law into our own hands. We decide what is right. We decide what is wrong. I met up with uh, uh, my old Methodist minister, um, amazing guy, and um, he was talking to me how he went to America, and he was at this council, this uh, conference, sorry. And at this conference, one of the sessions was to discuss the validity of the Bible. And they began to dissect the Bible into four parts. And they would, they would color code verses in the Bible. They would say, and, and these, these, these verses were color coded into um, true, possibly true, Possibly not true and not true. And they took the whole Bible and, and the, my, my Methodist minister friend, was a family friend, he was just, he was shocked. He couldn't believe. It wasn't, it wasn't a matter to discuss it. They had discussed that they were now going to dissect the Bible. And this is, these are traditional churches that have, you know, historically have had a, a extreme grounding in the word. And now they're finding that they, they can't, um, the, the pressure, the societal pressure is too much, right? And we, we'll just decide what is true, we'll just decide what is not true. That's happening today, okay? It's happening in Georgia as well, okay? The topic of, of homosexuality, the topic of, of, of marriage, family, basics, these, these things that are basics, fundamental core truths are being twisted because they're too inconvenient, Right? They're just, they're just too inconvenient. And then on the other side, what we're seeing is that a lot of people are taking the Word of God and turning it into a weapon. And we're using it to bash people on the head. Right? And you must do this, and you must do that, and you must do this, and you must do that, and you can't do this. And there's a lot of preachers online today are very, very good at telling us what we shouldn't be doing and not very good at telling us what Jesus would do. Right, And they know the Word of God, but they don't know who the Word of God was written about. Right, They don't know that person. And so, this book becomes very, very relevant for us um, in that sense. And so, so, Paul writes this letter. And we're going to go through Colossians 1. 
we only start getting to the, the cultural issues and the, the Jewish law issues in chapter 2 because Paul takes chapter 1 and he wants to establish something very, very important. Before we get going anywhere, and this is a lesson that we can learn, which I'll touch on at the end. Um, so, but just remember, there's a reason. Now, obviously, Paul is writing this letter for a specific reason, but there's a reason why he's not going to touch that for now. For now, we need to establish the basics. And so, Paul writes Colossians 1. And Colossians 1, it starts with two prayers. He starts, uh, he does something that uh, we've affectionately come to call in this church as the sandwich method. Have you guys ever heard this? When confronting somebody, use the sandwich method. You, you first start off with something nice. You know, you just compliment them and say, well done. Well done, John. Such a great guy. Great husband. And then you bring the meat, right? First the bun, then the meat. And you go, but John, you know what you, know what you struggle with? Hey, my boy. And uh, you tune him a little bit. And then, and then you follow up quickly with something nice. And so, but John, you're great. You're great, hey? And so, and so Paul does, it's classic, okay? And he starts off with a prayer and he starts to, to commend them for the things. And, and this isn't done insincerely, okay? He's very sincere about this. And uh, you're going to start reading that, that, he's, that he starts to thank God for the fact that despite the issues that they're going through, this church has got something very, very right. Where they're moving in faith, they are very hopeful about the future, and they, and they love one another, okay? And they've gotten all those three right. Remember, at the end of, of um, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says there that, that there are three things, faith, hope, and the greatest of these is love. And, and Paul is commending them because they seem to get, get it right with all three, right? That's a rare thing, according to Paul. It's amazing, and he's going to thank. So he starts off with these two prayers, and then, he, and then he has a poem. And in this poem, this poem is very important because, so if you're going to read through Colossians 1, look at this poem. We're going to read through this poem just now. But Paul constantly refers to this poem throughout the book, okay? He writes this poem. And what he's trying to establish is that Jesus is the exalted Messiah. Okay, before we go anywhere, before we start talking about, about what issues you're going through, the things that you struggle with, and this is, this is a really good tip if you're counseling somebody or if you're listening to somebody, is we've got to establish exactly who Jesus is and more specifically who Jesus is to you. Okay, Because how you answer that has great consequences for the rest of your life. right? And either Jesus is... Lord of all, okay, or he's not Lord at all. Are you with me? Okay. And, and if Jesus is not Lord of your life, there's nothing I can say after that that's going to help your situation. I can only talk to you in the terms that I'm, I'm familiar with, and those terms are that Jesus is Lord of my life. And we first have to establish that. And, and we, we have this tendency with our own lives and when we talk to other people that, that we first want to get them, we first want to sort their issues out and then we'll sneak Jesus in there in the side, right? Oh, you've got a smoking issue. Okay, well, let's, well, let's uh, deal with your smoking 
and then hopefully when you've like stopped smoking for three weeks, we can quickly bounce. Be saved in Jesus' name, you know? <laughs> and, and Jesus, he flips that on his head. He's, he wants you to come as you are, you know? And he loves you enough that he's, you're not going to stay as you are. It's not a justification for who you are. But the amazing thing about Jesus is that he can deal with you as you There's nothing you can throw it at him that he's going to go, oh, shucks. Arthur, that's, that's a little bit too hectic, okay? You go away, sort that out. I don't know if I can handle that. You know, that's not Jesus. Jesus is like, whatever you've got to deal with, come to me, okay? But at the same time, when, when we do come to him and when we do encounter him, then there does have to be a moment of surrender, okay? There does have to be a moment where Yes, there's all these, th these questions and these things that we've got to deal with on the side. And, and Jesus, I don't really know what to do with that, but you are Lord of my life. You are king. I had the privilege of um, discipling this guy in Stellenbosch. And, uh, and I remember when I first met him, um, a friend of mine, a mutual friend of ours, um, she was in church. He was not in church at the time. And uh, he was studying drama he had grown up in an atheist home. Um, he had never so much as opened the Bible before. He's like, which I'd never met. I mean, you know, if you meet somebody in South Africa, they know, they have a basic understanding of the Bible, whether they're Christian or not, right? And this guy had grown up in, his parents were atheists, had grown up in this atheist home. He didn't have a, a basic understanding of Christian principles or doctrines or, you know, who's Jonah and... Jonah and the whale, or Noah and the ark, you know, all those stories that we grew up, he didn't have any of that. And I remember when I met him for the first time, I thought, if this guy can get saved, there is a God. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was all about the drug sex and rock and roll. And, um, and I was just like, oh, shucks. Anyway, so a couple of months after that, my friend, our mutual friend, phoned me, and she was like, you wouldn't believe it, Okay. This guy went to church, had an encounter with Jesus, and he got saved. <laughs> and she said, and can you, can, I, can, I, can you invite him to your small group? And I was like, oh, shucks, <laughs> you know. And uh, so I phoned him, and I said, okay, let's meet up for coffee. And we meet, we meet up, and I remember I saw him at, in the park, and I was walking up to him, and at the time he was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Jesus, you've got to help me. And, I'm, and immediately what I start to do is I start going, okay, we've got to sort this out. We've got to get him to stop smoking. You know, he's probably sleeping around. I don't know. Got to get him baptized. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to do this. <laughs> so I met, I started talking to him, and I asked him how did it happen, and he's just, he's like puffing away at the cigarette. And he's like, yo, man, the effing love of God. Who would have thought? And I'm just like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know what I did? I did the first thing that came to my mind because I was discipled like this. This is what Pastor C said to me. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't think of anything. Just said, okay, start reading with Matthew and let's, let's figure out who Jesus is. And he's never opened up the Bible before in his life. So he starts to read from Matthew. And, and you know... Me, I'm thinking, well, I've still got all these things that I've got to sort out. And you know what would happen is week on week, as he's just reading through Matthew, 
Mark, Luke, John, starts with Acts, starts with Romans. And um, the next week he'd, he'd come to me and he said, yeah, he broke up with his girlfriend. I said, why did you break up with your girlfriend? And he said, he doesn't know, but he just told his girlfriend that he had found something and they can't sleep together anymore. So he'd like to be in a relationship, but he can't, he can't sleep with her anymore. And she had a fit and walked out and threatened to walk out. And he said, yeah, but I found something. He didn't know what it was. He had encountered Jesus. I didn't have to say anything. This is, this is stuff that he's coming to, right? A couple of weeks later, he stops smoking. A couple of weeks later, he comes to me and says, hey, Luke, I want to get baptized. And I said, oh, are you sure? Like a lot of people have issues about this. You know, like there's big debate. And he's like, why? It says there, repent and get baptized. Well, you're not wrong. <laughs> so we, um, so a couple of friends of his, they went and baptized him. And, um, you know, the weeks progressed and he's just growing. And, and, and I very clearly hear the Holy Spirit saying to me after a while, you see, Luke, he's not yours. Right? He's not yours. And he's, he's with me. And, and it started with him having an encounter with Jesus and surrendering his life. So he goes through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. He starts with Romans 1. And uh, Romans 1, if you don't know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty um, uh, comprehensive on its view of homosexuality. Right? And so now I said he, he grew up in a very secular environment. He was studying drama, which was also a very secular environment. He had a lot of friends that were homosexual. And he came to me. And he asked me about this, and now I'm thinking, oh, shucks, here we go. Okay? And I asked him, what do you think? And he stopped for a minute, and he said, he said to me, Luke, I don't know. I don't understand it. But what I do know is that God is good. And if it says this in his word, then I know that it is me that needs to change. He'd been saved for a couple of months at this point, and he came to a conclusion that, that I know Christians that have been Christians for years have not understood. That God is good, and his plans for me are good, right? But it has to come to this point, that there has to be a point of surrender. Okay, but enough talk. I think we're going to read now, hey? Okay, so open up your, your books to Colossians. I'm going to stop every now and then, just make a few points. Um, I'm not going to read the, the whole chapter. I just want to read these prayers, and I want to read this poem. What I'd like you to do in the week, the following week, uh, when you do your quiet time, is, is I want you to read through Colossians 1, Okay. And I want you to ask yourself, when you, when you read this poem that we're going to read, when we read through these prayers, can you relate to this? If, if I say Jesus is Lord, is Lord over all, do you go, shop? I can go, yes, before, a little bit of hesitation, right? And Colossians 1, is a, it's a great chapter. You know, you know um, James talks about looking at yourself in the mirror you know, doing a little bit of reflection. And, and Colossians 1 is a great chapter to go to and go, does my life look like this? Holy Spirit, you know, what, what needs to come and change in me? Okay, but let's read. Okay. 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Timothy was Paul's disciple. He was with um, uh, Paul at the time. To the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it is also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is, faith, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So there you hear, there's, you guys have faith, you're moving in faith. There's love and there's, there's a hope that, that we can see and the fruit of that is that you're growing, okay? There's, there's fruit that, that Epaphras has, has, has testified to. We can see that, that you guys are on the right track. You're making it. You, well done. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay, so, so remember what I said. There's, there's this, on one side, there's this draw to, to, um, to please people around us because of the cultural pressures. And then on the other side, there's this, there's this draw to, to try and please people who have the big stick and whack us every now and then when they think we're not doing what we should be doing, okay? And so, and so Paul's already setting up his argument that we're going to come in, in chapter 2, okay? And, and it goes something like this, that we have, to, we have to abound in faith, hope, and love, okay? So when we're talking to, to religious people, Okay, if, if, if you were a crowd of religious people, I'd say, hey, guys, maybe you should try a little bit of, of love, you know, that we bring the word in love. If you, if, you, if you bring the word and you don't have love, then you're just a, a, a clanging symbol. You've got nothing, right? 1 Corinthians 13. And then on the other side, yes, well done. You guys are doing well, faith, hope, and love. But... It, it is noble to endeavor to increase your understanding in the Word of God. Are you with me? Okay. So you can see Paul's already starting to set them up. Okay. Well done. You guys are moving in faith, hope, and love. But endeavor to increase in understanding. Are you with me? Okay. So, so what's the answer to this, this, this prayer? It's, it's, not, it's not that we need to be all lovey-dovey and we take the matters into our own hands and we decide what's right and we decide what's wrong, okay? And it's not that we become so word-focused that we forget the, the people to whom the word was written and we forget the person about whom the word was written, right? For some of us, as uh, um, Pastor Niels was saying last week, some of us, the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Bible, right? And... But you get what I'm saying, and, and what is the answer? It's not, it's not spirit, it's not word, it's, it's the fact that God is looking for worshippers that will worship him in both spirit and word. 
All right? We have to remove that word or, and we have to put in that word and. I'm not looking for, for people who just operate in the spirit. I'm not looking for people who are so obsessed with the word. I'm looking for people who can walk that line in the middle that marry those two, right? That we worship God in both spirit and truth. Can you see what Paul's doing? Okay, he's already starting to set them up. Verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the, in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so this is where this, this poem starts, verse 15, okay? And now, and Paul is going to make um, declarations about Jesus. So this is the part from verse 15 that during the week, I want you to read this. Do you agree with this when you read this? Does your spirit jump out and go, yes? Or does it go, ah, yes, but... You, are you with me? Is this, this because this is the part like, if somebody comes to challenge us, this is the part that we're going to die for. Okay? If you're going to pick the hill to die on, this is the, this is the part. Okay, this is the most important part. And, and Paul, before he goes anywhere, before he deals with any issues, we're going to establish this. Okay? Verse 15. He is the, the talking about Jesus, obviously. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Amen? And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Uh, preeminent, that's just a fancy word for uh, sovereign. He is he is Lord of all, right? He's, he's got it all, okay? 19, for in him all the, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who, were once, who once were alienated and hostile, so, so now up until this point, he's making a declaration about Jesus. And from verse 21, from verse 21 to 23, in this poem, he starts to declare what is the appropriate response to this declaration, okay? And, and once again, we've got to go, yes, okay. And you who, who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which Paul, I, Paul, became a minister. Okay, so do you see what he's done here? He's declared who Jesus is. He declares the response. And once again, he, he admonishes them and he says, if you continue like this in faith, in steadfastness, in hope, in love, if you continue the way that you've been going, hey, Church of Colossae, you're doing great. Okay, you're doing great, but now you've got to continue. Okay, let's remind ourselves of who Jesus is. Okay, that he is the firstborn, that his blood paid for our sins on the cross. 
Okay? Don't forget that. Don't take your mind off that. That's why communion is so powerful. Okay? Don't forget that. Yes, life in this life we will have struggles. Okay? But don't, don't worry. Jesus has overcome the world. Are you with me? Okay? And so, we, so what, he's, what he's doing is that we're going to deal with a few issues from chapter 2. But, he's, but he reiterates this in Colossians 2 verse 6 is the verse for a month. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. Yes, you've received Christ. You've received this hope. Now you've got to start walking it out. Okay? Life is not all sunshine and roses. Stuff is going to happen. And you need to be certain now, not, not sometime when the pauper hits the fan. You've got to be certain now who Christ is. You've got, to, you've got to decide now what it is you're going to die for. What are you prepared, on which hill are you prepared to fight and battle it out? You've got to decide that now before we deal with anything. Because if you can't decide that now, if you can't stand for something, more specifically Jesus, you'll fall for anything. Are you with me? Okay. And this, this, is, this is a great discipling point. It's a great personal life thing is that before you leave this building you've got to decide who Jesus is we can't go through life and and experience hardships and experience rejection and and money loss and family loss and sickness and then after that we'll decide who Jesus is to us before we get there now as we sit here before we leave this building, we've got to decide who Jesus is. Remember when, when, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter gives that, that uh, famous answer. Okay? But you are the Christ. You are the Lord. Okay? Not, not who do people say he is. Not who do your circumstances say you are. But who do you say he is? Because your decision there will impact how you go on from there. Okay, let's all stand together. The band can also come up. verse 24, Colossians 1 verse 24, Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for the ages and generations, but now revealed in any saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this ministry, which is Christ Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling, with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. See, what happens when, when we do accept Jesus who he is? 
when we acknowledge that he is king, that he is Lord, that his, that his reign goes throughout the whole earth. See, what, what starts to happen is not, is not that we get excused from sufferings, but rather sufferings become a weapon for us. We start to identify with Christ, which gives us authority to go to those who are still in chains and break those chains in the name of Jesus. So that when we go to fellow, fellow believers, we can encourage them. See, we, I, church, today I believe that, that God wants to talk to us that and instead of trying to avoid suffering, instead of trying to run away from them, we've got to start embracing them. What if by your suffering, somebody came to know Jesus? What if by your suffering, you came to know Jesus better? And, and I'm saying that with all respect. I don't know the things that you're going through. But here's the really cool part. Is that Jesus is so interested in where you are. Good times and bad times. And so today, so while the music's playing in the background, I just want everyone to have just a, a personal moment. I don't want you to look at anybody. I just want you to close your eyes. And I want you to have a conversation with God. And I want you to answer one thing. Who is Jesus to you?